That eight section between Pine Creek and South South it is really tough. It's very rough and really technical. Lots of uh, Mojaves like stabbing you in the legs. Stabbing. Like the plant life out here, they attack you. You, know? <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta fight out there. <laughs> Welcome back to the next episode of The Trail Running Women. I have an awesome episode for you guys today. So we've been chatting a bit about this episode to come, and it's finally here. It's with the race director, Red Rock Canyons 100K, which is just outside of the Las Vegas Strip. So I was perusing the internet one day and randomly stumbled across this race, and I talk a bit about this in the episode, and I saw these photos of this terrain that I didn't know existed because as Joshua says, in your mind, when you hear Las Vegas, you just think of the strip and all of the lights and the touristy things. But there is amazing terrain to be played on and appreciated all around the city. So he talks about biking trails, climbing trails, and everything that's in within reach. But this race specifically is 20 minutes outside of the strip. So my husband and I are gonna go down and do it and get the best of both worlds. Uh, so we're gonna do the race, Andy will do the 50K, I'll do the 100, and then we will go to the strip after and hang out in a touristy hotel where we can eat a lot of snacks and lay at a pool. And that to me is a very amazing weekend. So when I looked at the list and realized the entrance list that this is a relatively new race, I wanted to team up with Joshua and see if we could promote it a little bit on the podcast and get more people to come run the race because I love what he's trying to do. He's really also kind of giving back to the family aspect and has a race for kids to get involved and particularly to get more women involved. So that's why we had this chat and we talk about the race itself and what you can expect and what makes it awesome. And then we just get to know the race director himself a little bit on a personal note, and he's a pretty cool guy. So I definitely want to support his race. And one way that we are going to do that is run a promotion for a free entry. So I will talk about at the end of this episode how to enter, and then we will pick the winner before August, probably, or if not the first week of August, so that you've got time to prepare and to train. It'll be super easy. So watch out to listen for that. Okay. So a couple of notes, the contest will be on my Instagram at hillsport55, but after 210 episodes, I have also decided to finally start an Instagram for the podcast because my personal Instagram was getting overtaken by my child spam, which is fair, but we want to keep the running with the running also. It'll be some overlapping. Anyways, now I'm on a tangent. So if you go to Trail Running Women Pod on Instagram, I will also post this contest there. So there's loads of way to find it. If you want to support the show on Patreon, you can find that in the link in the link tree on either of those Instagrams as well. And that's where the backlog of episodes go because they disappear off iTunes and Spotify. So if you want to be able to find them, you have to find them on the Patreon. And I also do my own training blog bonus episodes there once a month. So lots of fun stuff coming on. Okay. I think that's it for random facts and intros. I'm going to leave the rest up to the interview with Joshua and a reminder to stick around to the end to find out how to enter for a free entry into Red Canyon's 100K. I have a special episode today. I'm super stoked to chat with the race director of a race that I am doing in November that is just outside of Las Vegas. And we are going to get into the race, how you created it, why you did, and a bit about your running history. So welcome to the show, Joshua. Hey, thank you. 
So as we normally do with the show, let's start with a bit of an intro about you. Give us your elevator pitch about where you're from and how you got into running. Nice. Well, I'm actually a native of Vegas, which is pretty weird. This is kind of a melting pot of people from all over the world, really. But I was born and raised here, um, went to school here, uh, moved away for a little while. My wife and I moved to Florida in our 20s, and we lived in the panhandle for a while. And that was a lot different. So we found our way back here. <laughs> we love the desert. We love the mountains. Um, I used to mountain bike a lot. And that's kind of how I got into running. Uh, running kind of took over after that. So I've been doing it ever since. There was a uh, some one of my best friends now, Rob Erickson, who actually owned the company um, that I run right now that directs this race. It was called Desert Dash back then. And that's still our website, desertdash.com. He, uh, I kind of got hip to some trail races that were right up the street to where I was living at the time, up in Red Rock, where actually this 100K is staged. And uh, I don't know, it's cool. It was like a really positive vibe. All the people seemed like really welcoming. So I don't know, I went to a group run and yeah, kind of just fell in love with it. I didn't really even run roads before that. I kind of went right to trail running. It just was kind of conducive to what I'd already done. I've already spent a lot of time out there mountain biking and hiking and stuff like that. So I was already in those areas. So it was just a natural transition. But yeah, I started running those guys. Yeah. And they would have like little 10 Ks and five Ks and stuff. So I started doing their little races and, you know, once you start hanging out with those dudes and they're doing these big races, you're like, Oh, I want to do that. Totally. Yeah. It escalates <laughs> quickly, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> So let's get a bit into your race because it's super unique and it looks like from what I could tell from the website started with some shorter distances and you're eventually going to have a hundred miles. So let's maybe start with the geography about where it actually is and how far away it is, because I know you live there, but if it's a destination race for somebody like myself from Vancouver, it's super uh -huh. hard to separate um, what you know traditionally about Vegas from yeah. these epic photos you have of this terrain. So tell uh -huh. us how it all lays out and works out. That's what makes this race so cool is because just what you just said, I mean, Vegas is the strip, right? You think of Vegas, you think of the strip. Um, you know, I hear all the time, you tell someone you're from Vegas, they're like, oh, what casino do you live in, right? And it's like, it's hard to picture people actually living in this place. But they're actually very, I mean, Vegas is situated uh, in the Southwest to be two hours from some of the best, I mean, places in the world. I mean, we're four hours from Yosemite, we're two hours from Zion. We're four hours from the, the beaches in California. So it's very well situated right here in the middle of all this. Not, not to mention, you know, Bishop, Death Valley, really, really cool places. Uh, but Red Rock Canyon is just 20 minutes away from the Strip. And it's, it's so cool because, I mean, when I was a kid, you would have to, it seemed, you know, everything seems longer, drives seem longer when you're a kid. But it, it seemed really remote then. And the valley has grown so much that it's, it's really right on top of Red Rock now. Um, so when you're driving out there, you're like, you feel like you're right in the middle of the city and then bam, you're, you're in backcountry. You know, it's got a really cool backcountry feel back there, uh, especially a lot of the trails that we use. And it, it's, I just always thought it was so neat that you could be in the middle of a, a city and 20 minutes later, you feel like you're having a real sort of backcountry experience. But, um, Red Rock is really cool. There's, it's, uh, there are trails that, that run east and west up into the, the mouth of the canyons um, that span uh, the, the escarpment there. 
And there's a lot of really cool climbing spots up in there. I mean, some world-class climbing, a lot of climbers from all over the world come here um, to climb some of those spots in there. Uh, but a lot of cool hikes that you can hike back into those canyons, but the uh, Red Rock Hunter K kind of traverses those trails and it runs in a more north and south um, direction. So you actually get to run up into the mouth of each of these canyons um, from the far north side all the way to the south side, which is known as Cottonwood Valley. So you really, really get to see um, everything. You see bristle cones all the way down to Mojave's, right? So there's a lot of lot of change uh, in that short distance. It's really, really neat. Yeah, that is so cool. That's actually something that is kind of like Vancouver too, where you have the mountains, the North Shore Mountains, about a 20-minute drive from the city. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that's something special to be able to get that kind of aspect. Yeah. Tell us a bit about how you got involved in this race, and then I want to ask more details about the course. But how did you um, get to be involved as a race director? Yeah. So uh, like I mentioned before, I met uh, Rob like very early on and we became quick friends and I just started helping out um, with it when he was running the show. And I got really into the timing aspect of the race and um, took care of all that, made a ton of mistakes and messed up so many people's times and got yelled at a thousand times. <laughs> very, very. Oh, a true grassroots race. That's amazing. Well, God, it was so embarrassing. But we, we <laughs> together, like as a team, like it was really his family, like his, his mom and dad were behind. It was like a whole Aravipa type scene. You know how his, the, the Corey's parents, they, they bought the company or they helped them purchase the company. It was this big family thing. It really felt like that, you know, the whole family was out there and, and, um, they had a big family, you know? So all these, all these cats are out there running these races and I was just helping out with timing. But uh, yeah, so I helped with that for a few years and, and ran the races and, and worked on my own running. And eventually, uh, Rob decided he wanted to do some other stuff. So I took it over and uh, we had, you know, first couple of years, we had uh, like four or five races that we did. But over the years, we've really scaled back and um, uh, unfortunately dropped some races that we enjoyed doing. But at the same time, we really want to focus on, on this, really making this like a, a true hundred mile race, you know, and, and really starting to attract people from outside. That's really our goal. Um, but yeah, that's how we ended up with Red Rock and Red. I mean, the story of Red Rock, it starts five years ago. Um, uh, the, 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 the recreation departments in our, in our um, government bodies out here are really behind the game. Um, you know, in other places they have very, uh, established trail systems and permitting, uh, requirements and things like this. And that's a lot of stuff that we had to work with all the way at the bottom. Cause a lot of these trails that, that you're going to be running on weren't even recognized as official trails in the park system. So we had to go through the whole process of doing studies on those trails and, and getting those people out on the ground to say, Hey, this can be used for a trail race and it can be done responsibly. So there was a lot of convincing that had to go into that. Multiple agencies, probably 10 different um, government agencies are involved in this race. So the first year, uh, first couple years, just getting all of that stuff together, getting all those folks to start talking to each other, um, to agree that we could we could span all of their little unique areas was, was a challenge. But we're pretty much over that now. And I mean, I'm working on the 100 miler for 2024, but a lot of that, uh, you know, a lot of that deep work that we did in the first couple of years um, is really helping that along. Um, 
but we're really trying to branch. I mean, it's a hundred miles. So we're trying to really, instead of just doing loops, you know, there are a lot of loop courses out there. I really want to do uh, a true adventure race, you know, where you're a point to point race where you're going from one area, uh, you know, a hundred miles to the, the destination, um, as opposed to just running a loop over and over. That can be fun as well, but we want to do something like that. So just now we're including, you know, the forestry service, you know, to get our, to widen our footprint and the race is really going to look a lot different in 2024. And I think we're really, really close to solidifying those, those plans here in the next couple of weeks. That's super exciting. Was a hundred miles something like when you took it over that you had that goal right away or did it sort of just develop as you got more involved? That's definitely what I wanted to do right away. Had no idea, you know, awesome. you know, Back then, you're just like, yeah, I'm, we're I'll, we're going to create a hundred miler, you know. But yeah. how hard can it be? <laughs> yeah, how hard can it be? And this is going to be our belt buckle, you know. We were so stoked about the belt buckle, and like, well, <laughs> getting, ahead of, getting ahead of ourselves here. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Yeah, like permits seem to be the most intense thing ever. Like, I'm not sure if you are aware of Gary Robbins and his yeah. um, Whistler Alpine Meadows hundred miler. Uh huh. It's been around for years it's been super successful everybody loves that event and then suddenly bam no permits events canceled forever yeah it's crazy like and it's just new ownership of a resort so it sounds like with you guys it's uh government that wouldn't change so fast but it's just like the permits can just ruin your day so fast it's awful they can't because you have these. So now, I mean, I'm careful. I have an A, B, and C plan, right? Because you spend so much time in one area and it can just get completely shut down. And I mean, with these races, you're doing a lot of logistical stuff, you know, coming up with timelines that are very tied to the the shape of the course, right? So when they come in and mm-hmm. they take out even a mile of the course, that can completely alter the entire thing you have to start over in some cases so i've learned to have a few plans have a few backup plans because it happens all the time it's just going to happen with this type of work so you have that b and c option and when you almost expect them to come back with something right and then right away you can just shoot out that b plan that c plan and keep things moving along but in the i mean unfortunately the first few people that i had to work with they're they're out of there now uh they're conservationists at heart which i love and respect i'm conservationist at heart but they they really it just seemed like they didn't uh, want the recreation group out there. You know, they kind of wanted to keep it to themselves. They want to keep nobody on it. And I, I really don't think that's a, the way to conserve land. You need to get people out there so that they can see and fill this stuff so that they, they know what they're taking care of. Right. Because if you don't do that, um, people will find a different way and it's probably not going to be good. <laughs> yeah. I a hundred percent agree. Cause once you experience it, then you develop like an actual passion or love for it. And yeah. you want to do your part, right? For sure. You put your feet on it. Yeah. I mean, if it's just out there, it's the static thing that doesn't mean anything to you. You put your feet, you, I mean, you probably know, you put your feet on a summit, you summit a mountain and it has a special meaning to you. You can picture that place. When you look at it again, you have an experience there, you know, that that goes a long way with wanting to protect something. If you don't know it's there, you, you don't know to protect it, right? Yeah. And this is a bit of a tangent, but we were kind of chatting before the show too, that we both have three-year-olds and you think with everything being so online and not experiencing things in real life anymore it's like we need to be doing more to create opportunities for kids to get involved that is 
easy in quotations uh, to train for as far as not being as expensive as other sports and they can do it close to home and all these things. And I just think show running is such a great opportunity for kids to get involved and just be outside and be calmer. Yeah. (laughs) More normal. Or just allow them to be crazy. (laughs) Just give them a space to like run and be out there, you know, instead of. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, it's interesting that you said that because we really, I mean, that's really one of my focus too, is getting younger people into the sport. And we, we got a kid's uh, 5k added to the Red Rock. No one signed up for it yet. So maybe it'll be, you know, towards, towards the end, maybe in the last few months, but I've really been trying to push it and get some, my son runs, he's, he's eight and he's done a few trail 5ks now. And I just really want to see more kids in the sport. So we're really trying to push that this year and the, the next years to come. So this is a family, just like you just mentioned, it's a, it's a, it's a family sport. And just to see more families out there all running would just be awesome. Oh, that's such a cool idea. Um, I think like they have the kids one races for the, or the, sorry, the one care, the one mile races for the really young kids, but you're right. There's not a lot kind of in that eight to 12 type. Yeah age where they could go out and really feel like they had a massive adventure that day yeah. and a, a 5k would be so fun it doesn't take i mean it, you don't have to go too far to feel like that out there so no for sure yeah so tell us a bit this is a bit of a shift in direction but i want to know more about how you you train personally in somewhere that's super hot that's something that we get asked questions about all the time so when you're training for a fall race and you are located in Las Vegas, um, what does it look like for you guys for training? Yeah. So, I mean, it can be brutal (laughs) if you start, if you start (laughs) even being from here and living here every year, if you start too late in the season, um, you're like anyone else, you know, you're just not used to it. It's hard to get going, but we typically like, cause the, the winners out here are just phenomenal trail running. I mean, you have highs and like the, you know, 55 to 65 range in the middle of the winter in the, in the daytime. So it's perfect running. So you're trying to get your base. Then you're trying to get outside and get your miles in. And then as spring rolls in, that's when you're doing some later runs. And this year it's been kind of weird. It's been a kind of a cooler year. We haven't even really got into the hundreds yet, which is very strange for, for this late in summer. Uh, but typically by this time it's 115 degrees, you know, daily. So, but by that time, hopefully you've been training through the spring, you're doing afternoon runs, um, that when summer rolls around, I wouldn't say that you ever get used to running in 115, but your body gets, uh, more efficient and you just stay cool. You stay wet, you know? And, uh, yeah, yeah. It's really the exposure in the desert, right? Cause it's hot. Lots of places are hot, but you have some places where you can, you can get under a tree out here. It's just it's fully exposed. So, and Red Rock is like that too. There's not many places on the course where you're not going to be. Um, I mean, it's in November and for that reason, but, uh, yeah. What, uh, what type of temperatures do you get in November? So November, it can swing. Um, I mean, we could get an early, uh, winter storm and things can get really cold, but typically it's going to be, uh, you know, you're going to have your highs in the sixties still. So the day is super nice. It, it gets a little, it's going to get a little chilly at night, but, um, last year was nothing too crazy. It was pretty comfortable. So, but we did have this cooler, we're kind of moving into this cooler, uh, trend, I think. Um, so I'm interested to see what it does this year. Like if it's going to be a cooler one, because there's been some, there's been some snowstorms in November. So you never know. I mean, it's, it's very 
quickly changing <laughs> temperature swings out here. Yeah, we get snow every year and, and uh, now. I mean, when I was a kid, I don't remember it happening as much. But yeah, it seems like every year we get snow in the valley and we get snow on all our foothills on Red Rocks all around. So you never know. It could be a beautiful 70 mile, I mean, 70 degree day or it could be <laughs> 50 degrees and, and I don't know, maybe yeah. snow. Anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like uh, the runners from Canada that come down will be like, oh, sweet. Home court yeah, you you'll be in good shape. <laughs> yeah. But when you're looking at the course, tell us what you think the most challenging part of the Red Rock uh, 100 is. Uh, definitely the first 16 miles are going to be the most difficult. Mm. Uh, yeah. Well, that's mean of you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's super rugged, but you get, a, I mean, it's kind of, um, it's called the dream killer, you know, cause if you have, uh, if you have a PR in mind, it's probably gonna, it's probably gonna, uh, mess you up for a little while. But the good news is that right after that, you're on the road and it gets a lot faster if you can make it through that first 16. But yeah, 16, we're going through a lot of uh, what I, those trail systems that I mentioned earlier, um, that weren't actually official trails at the time. We're using a lot of those trail systems and we're going to do some work this year, um, in October to repair a lot of that stuff, but there it's very rocky and very loose in spots. And, um, just kind of hard to get a good pace going through there, especially eight, eight miles between um, the Pine Creek aid station and the South Oak Creek aid station. Um, but after that, you kind of get on the highway, which is a few miles, and then you end up in the town of Blue Diamond, and things get a lot of, lot uh, flatter and smoother. But yeah, that first, that first section is going to be pretty rough. And is it just that it's awkward technical, or is there a lot of climbing? Yeah, it's technical and it's deceiving how much climbing there is. When you look at the profile of the race, it, it appears to be pretty flat, um, mm -hmm. but you're, you're kind of always climbing. You're, it's, it's, you're, you're, it, there's not too many sections where you're like, oh, okay, I'm on a flat section. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it, it, that eight section between Pine Creek and South, South Oak Creek, it is really technical. It's very rocky, very technical. Lots of uh, Mojave's like stabbing you in the legs or looking to stab you. Like the plant life out here, they attack you, you know, <laughs> you got to fight out there. <laughs> it's so wild trying to just like look at the pictures and listen to the description that you're saying. And one of the parts that is interesting is just how different it is from the, the terrain here. And I feel like it's just one of those things that's going to be like, Maybe ignorance is bliss and I will be cursing you at that point in the race. But at this point, I'm like, I don't understand. <laughs> no, I mean, my, it, it would be so cool. I would imagine because when I go up there and run up in the in the trees, it's beautiful. I mean, I'm doing the Cascades 100 this year and it's so Cascade nice. Cascade Crest? Uh, no, not yeah. I, I, every year I try to get into that one. Ca uh, the Oregon Cascades 100. Oh, okay. Right, right, right. Yeah, bent. So let's get in a bit to your own running. Um, does your wife run? No, which is cool. You know, I, I, I don't envy, uh, couples that, uh, that, you know, that are together and both, you know, do these endurance <laughs> events. It seems really, really difficult. She's very low key. Uh, and I'm not, so it works out. <laughs> yeah. My husband and I are the same where I, you got, you can have one squirrely person and then one very chill person in it. It works yep. out. That's exactly right. So we're actually the the reason we're coming down to do your race is our fifth year wedding anniversary. I just heard that on your last podcast. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So my husband will do the 50K and I will do the 100 because we will end closer to the same time than if we both did the 100. That's, that's awesome. That's so cool. Yeah, we did a 90K in Switzerland for our honeymoon. 
Um, uh-huh. and it was epic, but he does them off the couch. So, uh, we, we had a six hour difference that I waited at the finish line. It was like, we have to find a better system than this. <laughs> he just wings it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And He's off the couch, good. like 90 K is hard. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So how do you navigate training for a hundred mile and race directing and having young kids? How do you fit it all in? Yeah, that's difficult. You quit drinking. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I know. Right. <laughs> like, like you, I enjoy craft beer uh, a lot. And uh, it's something that's always been very uh, entwined with running and venturing and being outdoors. And this year, I mean, not only do we have kids, but we have kids who are also very active in sports too. And I couldn't do all of them. So I had to drop that piece. So I dropped that and just time management, you know, getting up and doing stuff like you're doing here and having a very tight schedule and, and sticking to it. You know, it's difficult, but it's necessary. With these busy lives. That's what caught my attention on that. Uh, I think it was a podcast you put out in January. Yeah. So can you tell us more about that decision for you? Was there like a moment or were you just realizing that things were getting harder to do? Yeah, it was just over time, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to do. You could get it all done, right? But you're not doing your best, you know, and you're, and you know that. So it just over time, you know, being a, just falling short a little bit, trying so hard in each piece, you know, each thing that you're doing, but falling short in all of it uh, just got annoying. So I decided, and I, you know, you would think, well, what, what more can I do? You know, I have a lot to do, but I want to rise to these things. So, you know, the one thing in my mind always was the obvious answer, just one that I didn't want to listen to. And when I did, um, things changed a lot (laughs) yet you'd figure out that you have a lot of lot of free time that you didn't realize you had you know you don't have hangovers anymore you're not hanging out late at night and stuff you're getting to bed you have a lot more energy so there's a lot of time we have a lot of time to do lots of things you just have to plan accordingly Just want to take a second to thank one of our sponsors. Today's show is brought to you by AG1. So I gave AG1 a try because I just wasn't sticking to any supplements that I was trying. And I kept hearing about how I needed probiotics and prebiotics and immune system support. But the amount of pills and vitamins that were kind of building up in my cupboard was just not something that I could do. So to find a solution that covered all of those things that was easy And the kicker is that it actually tastes great, has made it simple and a habit that I can form that I actually do every day. So I, side note, I used to also wake up very thirsty and sometimes chug bubbly water. And apparently the acid is really bad for your teeth. And I have a few things I need to fix from that. So I feel a lot safer getting that first drink of AG1 in the morning, as well as getting 75 high quality vitamins and minerals. So it definitely helps me feel like I am recovering, like my gut health is better and that I start the day having checked something off my list. And I think it's the longest standing supplement routine that I've ever actually done. And I'm feeling the benefits and super proud of that. So if a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go to drinkag1.com backslash TRWP. That's drinkag1.com backslash TRWP to check it out. I actually really like that because I do, I chat with a lot of people about this and I think there's this weird 
kind of thing where there's a lot of women who are like, I'm not an alcoholic, but it's not adding to my life. And I think there's just no reason for me, but it, for some reason, there still seems to be this stigma with men in my perception anyways, where it's like harder for them to just say, Oh, I'm just, I don't need to do this, whether it looked like a problem from the outside or not. So I think it's kind of cool to find these more um, successful people who are like, Oh yeah, I just, this isn't something I need. So I think it's awesome to hear that. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, it's going. <laughs> you, just fill your time, you just fill your time with other things, right? <laughs> so tell us a bit about how training for the Oregon Cascades is going for you. It's going good. Um, see, I'm not really one. I haven't really trained in the past. You know, I've, I've kind of <laughs> like a, a wing it sort of person. Like I just love being out there and having fun. And if, if the day would turn out good, it, it turned out well. And if it didn't, it didn't, you know, well, but th- I've kind of changed mindsets this year. You know, I'm kind of thinking more sharply and there, you know, I'm 42 now. And frankly, there's some stuff that I want to do, you know, with my own trail running and I want to see if I can hit those marks. So I've really been training hard and it's feeling good, but I get out, you know, try to get some long run. I got three 50 Ks in now. Oh, Oh, I actually DNF'd my first race uh, a couple weekends ago (laughs) out in Arizona. Yeah. So I mean, being a, a dumb person that doesn't really care about the times and whatnot, I would, I would never drop out of a race. Um, but I'm really trying to hit some specific marks, uh, this year. So it wasn't going that way. And I had my family there and we were going to go and play in, in slide rock down in Arizona. So decided to call it a day and put down my first DNF. But yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I just want to get, so I had two 50 Ks before that, that I did really good in and uh, dropped out of that one, but still got like a 27 mile day. So it's really good uh, training day. And it was up in the mountains of Flagstaff. Um, so it was a really, really good day, but just trying to get big weekends like that, you know, for these hundred milers, it's just good to get, we're lucky because we, we're down here in the desert, but I don't know if you know about uh, Mount Charleston, which is just no. 45 minutes from, from the strip. And you're up at 12,000 feet. So all oh, nice. year, yeah, all summer long, we're, you know, I'll, we'll drive our van up there and just camp up there all weekend and just get these big weekends up there, you know, 20 mile weekends, lots of vert. Um, so yeah, that, that'll be my starting this weekend. It's weird. I said that the winter has gone long, the, there's still snow up there. So we still can't get on the top. Uh, so some people went up last weekend and said that it might be passable on the south side. So we're going to go up there and starting this weekend, we'll get some of those big weekends. Nice. That's awesome. And if you can make it like a family event, that's so fun too. Oh, for sure. Yeah. They spend lots of time up there, mountain biking and camping. It's good times. So random question. You don't have to answer this if you don't want. Um, mentioned being 42 and my husband is about that age and I'm kind of getting older thirties and it's like, okay, now I want to try and accomplish some goals with trail running. Do you think there's any part of that that is kind of this midlife age where you're like, oh man, I'm going to start battling the fact that I'm also aging at some point and I want to do everything I'm capable of before then? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I've been going through it since I was 30, but it's really hitting home in forties. Right. Because I don't know, just, I mean, outside of training, I've just really started to focus in on my health, you know, and just like really started to look, uh, 
deeper at everything. So not just going for the routine check and getting the standard blood work and stuff, but really starting to dig in to some of those markers and looking for, um, you know, the stuff that you're probably going to deal with that your grandparents dealt with, you know, the things that you've been putting off your whole life (laughs) are like, okay, I'm 42 now. This is, this is pretty real. And you start looking at this stuff and seeing how I'm going to um, stay away from it, frankly, you know? So yeah, when you're thinking about that stuff, I mean, it really, it really nails it home that, you know, you're four, you're 42 years old, you know, this could be maybe the halfway mark, you know, if you're lucky, Um, but maybe not, you know, maybe you can go a lot longer. So, yeah, it's wild. Hey, it's almost like you just wake up one day and you're like, Oh wow. Like I'm here now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So those are some awesome goals. I'm excited to see how this goes for you. And I always think it's like, I know a couple of race directors and I think the ability to train for your own races and have your big goals and, um, get these races organized is, is pretty epic. I know some people who have had to be like, okay, so I can't do it all in one year. So I think that's awesome that you're able to do that. What do you think should be the biggest draw to your, and you might've already answered this, but for somebody listening, what do you think is like your favorite thing about Red Rock Canyon that someone should come down and experience? Favorite thing is the diversity of the area. Um, it's just not too many places where you're, I mean, not too many places that I've run that, that you, that you'll go through the, the many changes that you'll see in the desert. Like I was mentioning earlier, you'll, you'll, on this course specifically, you'll be in bristlecone. So you'll be in pine trees at one, uh, at the beginning. And by the end, you'll be down in the Joshua trees. So it's just the diversity. I mean, simple answer. That's, that's something that's very unique to the Southwest, I think. Yeah, that's awesome. Like, when I'm looking at the expansive sort of view, vistas too, right? I mean, something about the uh, the West in particular, where I mean, you have these these huge desert valley floors with the, these huge you know mountains all around you. It's just something that's so iconic of this area, and something that I missed a lot when we were in Florida. You know, when you're sur- surrounded by the trees getting back out and just being able to see, you know, 50, 75 miles across the valley is just something very unique. Yeah. I well, I think the actual, the website photo that you have on the cover page of the, the race, and we'll link to that in the show notes kind of shows exactly what you're talking about. And that was one of the, it was so funny because I was just thinking one day, like I really would love to do hundred K in the fall and I have, um, a stage race in September. So it needs to be later in November. Like where would still be a fun place? And I don't even know what I put into Google and randomly fell upon this race. And it was like four seconds before I was like, yep, I'm doing this. And I think it was that photo of exactly what you've just described. Um, (laughs) So two questions, first of all, looking at the map and kind of what you talked about, do you ever actually summit any of those, these mountains or are they, there are no trails up top given the, the type of terrain that they are in? Yeah. So a few, when you get to the cottonwood side, you'll start to climb up, um, to the summits of each of those, but the, the escarpment, um, that's around mile, uh, eight to 16. Um, that's the red rock escarpment. Um, all of that's in wilderness, so we can't use any of those, but what you'll do is you'll run up into the mouth, into the mouth of those canyons. 
Um, but no, you don't climb up on top of those. There are some really cool group runs that we've done that actually link up all of these trail systems and you actually run on, on top of that escarpment and end where we, where we start the race. But unfortunately we can't do races up there, but yeah, later in the race, once you get past the escarpment and you, and you uh, go through the town of blue diamond, which is where you'll eventually finish, um, on the cottonwood side, you're going to go up and over, uh, what's known as hurl and some other some other mountains out there where you'll really be able to look back north and see all the way across to where you finished which is always really cool nice um yeah it just looks epic that makes me want to go down there and do a group run for this too oh man yeah anytime come down (laughs) so my i asked my husband i was like what do you think I should ask? Do you have any questions? And, um, typical not training guy was like, where's the best place to eat after? So what are your best <laughs> tips as a local for post-race meals? Oh man, I'm so boring right now. Cause I'm like vegan. <laughs> <laughs> There's uh, yeah, I mean, in the Southwest, there are, I mean, this is, it's a, it's a, uh, tourist destination, right? So there are, there are so many places on the strip to eat that I'm, I'm so boring. I never go down there. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. Cause if you live, if you live local, like why it probably is just a total mess of tourists and people and not somewhere you would ever want to go hang out inside. I would imagine. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've never, I mean, we drive by that, that area, but yeah, never down there. But where are you guys planning on staying? Well, okay. So that's the other part of it. That's like Vegas is still kind of fun if you are uh, like a human, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this, the ra- reason that this race appealed to us is that a weekend in Vegas alone, not that great, but the idea of experiencing this aspect of it and doing this epic race and then just staying somewhere on the strip and spending yeah. a day at the at the pool and putting some money in a slot machine actually does oh, sound sure. fun. So yeah, yeah we haven't booked a hotel yet, but um, just somewhere super touristy and where there'll be a bunch of people in silly dresses and we will be limping around in our sandals. <laughs> nice. Yeah. No, I mean, you guys are not going to find, you're not going to have any trouble finding places to eat down there. <laughs> Believe me. No, that's what I figured. I'm like, yeah. we'll just find a, we'll just find a buffet, but um, and I've had multiple friends do their bachelorette parties where they've done like Airbnbs in Zion, for example, and yeah. then gone to Vegas after or something. Um, yeah. and like you said, like that's still a bit of a drive, right? So I kind of like that they could, we could, people could do this race as a party and then go to Vegas if you're looking for both sides of things too. There's so many aspects to this. I love. Oh, for sure. Yeah. From if, depending on if your husband's going to drop you off, if you're going to shuttle, I mean, if you, even if you took the shuttle from the high school, it's going to take you 20 minutes to get to that high school. So very close to the strip. Okay. So one thing that we were chatting about is that we want to try to get more women involved in this race, especially as a newer race and you're going to get the hundred mile in, which is a hundred percent on my bucket list now to do the hundred miler. Um, and to bring my kids back to do the 5k, this, maybe this will be like an ongoing that we go to but what we were thinking is that we would raffle off a free entry to the hundred so what we're going to do is on um, my instagram and probably will be shared on the desert dash one as well we will put up a post about this race and what you have to do to get an entry is to tag a girlfriend that you would like to run this race with and if you share it in your stories and tag us we'll give you an extra entry and we will 
pick a winner and you can come down and do this epic race. And it would be awesome to meet some listeners in person and just to get more people involved. Cause I think this is a great thing you're doing and we need to get the word out there. Yeah, that would be so cool. Yeah, we really want to beat our first year of 100K participation. I think it was 40. It was only 45. So we're trying to get around 50 folks. And if we could get some female 100Ks in there too, that would be that would be awesome. Last couple of questions. If you could mm-hmm. describe this race in three words, what would they be? Uh, expansive, technical, and beautiful. Okay. Awesome. Those are really good. It's, I ask that question a lot and people never say the same words, which blows my mind. And expansive is such a good one. Um, and we <laughs> haven't heard that one yet. And my last question is, and it might just be within the hundred miler, but what is your really long-term goal for this race? Yeah, I want, we want to do a, tr- a, a true 100 point to point race in Las Vegas. It's way overdue (laughs) i mean this is uh in my mind this should be a recreation destination vegas should be there's lots of fun to hop on the strip too but get yourself in a in a car get out to red rock get out to charleston get out to lake mead death valley's two hours away you know boulder city bootleg we have world-class mountain biking climbing trail running everything's out here so i mean beyond the hundred itself i mean i'm really just an advocate of, of Vegas recreation. And I really just want to see, um, all types of sports and recreation really just, uh, settle in here. I mean, we're a newer city, you know, so we're, we're still learning ourselves, you know, ourselves, we're still learning what we are as a city. And, um, I think we're still learning Stanley cup champs. Hey, Hey, and Stanley (laughs) cup. Look at that. Yeah. From a Canadian man. That's awesome. Yeah, I know it hurts us. Trust me. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, we're growing up and we're learning and, and this company and this race is growing up and, and we're learning, uh, you know, how to become the, the destination race that we see it to be. Awesome. Well, I love that. I love what you're doing. Um, so if anybody wants to come see photos, where can they find you? Instagram, website, what's the best way to learn more about this race? Yeah. So Instagram, we're Desert Grown Endurance Running. Um, you can find us on Instagram there. Uh, we're still at desert-.com. Um, that was the original business name. And uh, yeah, check out those two. You're going to find lots of information about this race on, on desert-.com. Uh, Instagram or on Facebook is Desert Grown Endurance Running. And yeah. Okay, awesome. Well, I look forward to coming down there and meeting you in person. And I'm going to continue to kind of talk about uh, training for this race and we'll definitely do loads of posts um, and stories when we get down there. And I'm just so excited. So thank you so much for your time. And I look forward to meeting with you and best of luck in your upcoming races. Me too. You too, Taylor. Thanks so much.